Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHayes. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a multiple six-figure online coaching business in just one year. Now I'm sharing my strategy with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. All right, Taylor. So we meet again. We meet. We told everybody <laughs> we would be doing this again. I know we did. We said, wait, hold on. We we have more up our sleeves, and this time, bloating, bloating, and inflammation. I mean, you were showing me all the notes you have in your lap. Like I can see them. Mm-hmm. And well, you have to come prepared, right? Like when there are <laughs> questions, you better show up prepared. Because you know me at this point in in community. I have a tendency to go off on tangents. So like if oh, I, I if so. I don't if I don't have notes you will find me in left field talking to you. So like it's we, we will we will stay on track as best we can. Hey, well bloating you can go so many ways, but I mean I you have can. to just open it up, right? Like mm-hmm. open it up with the very obvious. I think that me personally prior working to with you, I always saw the, you know, the before and afters on social media of like before a meal, after a meal and like Oh, bloating's so normal, right? Right, right? I mean, so working with you, I've learned that might not be so. No, we've made something that's common normal, as we do with a lot of things, right? We, we take a lot of things that are common and we identify them as normal because one, there's ignorance involved, right? There's a lot of information and a lot of misinformation and we're extremely disconnected from our body as a society. Like we have been taught to disconnect. There are multi-million billion dollar industries that are designed, the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, that are designed to market and advertise to the consumer in order to get you, you know, invested in this shiny object syndrome of just use this pill, this potion, this serum, or, you know, consume this low fat, low sugar in place of real food you know, food-like product. And on the back end, the bloat that we experience when we're exposed to those things is really a, a biofeedback symptom that we're taught to diminish. So instead of stepping into curiosity and questioning like, why am I bloated? What did I just eat? What has my day looked like? My week, my month, my year, et cetera, right? you know, have I consumed enough water? We just accept that for a temporary period of time, we inflate and eventually the inflation will go down, even if it means having to go through an entire 8, 10, 12 hour period of overnight in order to see the bloat resolve. So it's problematic because we're starting to identify these things that are very common as normal. And then you have these people with immense audience and size, right? Like, 300,000, 120,000, 300,000, 400,000. And they're hopping on and they're taking these pictures and they're putting themselves in the place of educator. But what are you really educating on? How are you empowering people to look at the bloat as biofeedback and as a symptom, as opposed to just accepting what has become common as normal? And I see that as very problematic. Problematic. And also, Mm -hmm. like I said, you know, Before diving into my personal experience, which we can talk about later, I also thought that it was okay, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, 
we think that we eat a meal and we're a little puffy afterwards. And even with my clients, I started to catch certain things. Like I've made certain tweaks in their diets and they're saying, you know, it's so interesting. I will have a meal now and my pants are still normal fitting. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it shouldn't feel the opposite. Like you shouldn't feel the need to, you know, put on sweatpants or unbutton the top button or whatever. And it, you shouldn't just be quote, flat in the morning, right? Right. Like you should maintain the same body type kind of throughout the day. So, um, you know, it's good to to hear you say that it's not normal. So my question is, what can be normal, right? Like, let's talk Mm -hmm. about the time of the month or something of that nature. Like what would be normal? Well, first I want to commend you and acknowledge the fact that you're taking your experience and like using it in the context of your clients, because that's going to be life-changing for them. Just bringing that awareness to your clients holds immense value. You know, and if if nothing else comes from our journey, which we know that's not going to be the case, the fact that you're carrying that awareness and making those pivots with your own clients is just, that means so much to me because that's why we show up and we do this to educate, right? So you're quite literally, it's that ripple effect. You drop the stone in the pond and there's just waves of positive impact. So I have to commend you for that, right? But when it comes to normal, so let's put bloat and inflammation because bloat is really a type of inflammation, right? So let's put it into context. Our body utilizes inflammation as a means of getting our attention, not as a means of like, oh, it's there and then moving on. It's trying to draw our attention into something. It's trying to draw our attention into questioning. So if you think of your ankle, say you roll your ankle or you sprain your ankle or you attempt to do a box jump and you don't make both feet on the the box. We've all been there, right? Like scraping the shins, not fully making it on, you know, something's going to swell. And that swell is a means of your body drawing blood to the area, drawing oxygen into the area, drawing nutrients into the area to enhance healing due to the inflammatory response. Your bowels are no different, right? So we have to take that same ideology that we we would use with like a jammed finger or a sprained ankle, right? Or a cut, like a laceration, that swells too. And we have to take that ideology and transpose it onto our bowels, right? So if we eat something and we become inflamed and swollen and bloated, what is our body trying to tell us? We have to remember, it's not what we eat, it's what our cells see. We are not what we eat, we are what we digest and absorb, right? So if we're consuming something that's not setting well with our system, What's going on in your inner ecosystem? Now, you were just mentioning hormones, right? Obviously, when it comes to female hormones, there's a lot of stigma around this. Like, oh, it's just that time of the month. I'm slightly bloated. No, that's an invitation too, right? Because the way that the hormone fluctuations work is obviously we have some women around ovulation who have what we would call pretty drastic fluctuations where we get a mini period, right? bloating, spotting, cramping on one side. They can tell when they're, you know, ovulating. That's a good indication that there's hormonal imbalance, right? Same thing around your cycle. The cycle is already a stressor, right, on the system. So it's going to increase your cortisol production, which is going to diminish our magnesium availability in the body, right? And we will retain a bit more water. So change in shape is more normal to me. Like retaining a bit more water is more normal to me. But the distension, the painful bloat that many of us have deemed normal in association with our cycle is an invitation. How are our stress levels? How is our sleep? 
How are our magnesium intake levels? Are we consuming enough water? You know, do we have enough um, fiber in our consumption or in our, you know, lifestyle? These are all invitations. So I never want to normalize bloat, whether it's post-meal or around our cycle, because these are things that give us permission when we normalize them to overlook something that could really provide us with the invitation to dig deeper on what needs to be restored or resolved. So I'm going to say bloat is never normal. It's always an invitation though to pause and ask questions. And it's interesting to hear you consider bloat biofeedback because obviously Mm -hmm. that is, you know, now I'm like, yep, I definitely understand that. But prior to, again, thinking that, Maybe this is just normal. I, I don't know. Everybody seems to talk about it, right? Like the whole, oh, that's just your uterus. Like, no, it's not really. <laughs> I can. We're also on Zoom, guys, so I can see Taylor like shaking her head like, oh, my God, no, please don't say that. <laughs> but um, I want to talk about just, you know, when you're working with your clients privately, mm-hmm. what are some common um I guess, signs of bloating? How do you know when it's more severe, when Mm -hmm. to take action? Because again, I think people just assume, oh, well, kind of like me, right? I didn't have physical pain. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, I am so distended. And I joked Mm -hmm. and I was (laughs) like, hey, why is my butt and my stomach, why are they the same size right now? Something is going on here. Yeah. So when it comes to things that I'm looking for, you're going to be the primary source of information, right? So transparent communication is going to be really important when I'm working with someone because I cannot read your mind. And while I can see you physically on Zoom, which is part of the reason we use a video platform, I can't necessarily see something like anything under what you're wearing. So I want to know when you're feeling the bloat how long the bloat is lasting, right? If it's in conjunction with a particular meal, what your stress levels were that day, you know, where you are in your cycle, how your hydration is. What we have to remember is bloat is multifaceted. So yes, it can be rooted in overgrowth. Yes, it can be associated with GERD or reflux, right? Yes, it can be associated with mold and mycotoxicity like we talked about on the last podcast. Yes, it can be associated with an imbalance in hormones. We were talking about that a minute ago. Low progesterone almost always leads to bloat in a system. We have to remember that progesterone is not just a baby-making hormone. I feel like that's how it's couched in many, you know, realms of wellness, you know, progesterone is really important for anti-insomnia, anti-anxiety, anti-constipation, oh, and anti-bloat, right? So again, around that cycle, lots of bloat, low progesterone. Let's start talking about where your cortisol levels are and how your thyroid's functioning because sex hormones are a luxury to an optimally functioning body. And if your adrenals and thyroids are in adrenal and thyroid, pardon me, are insufficient, your sex hormones are going to be responsive to that, right? So there's a variety of things that I'm going to look for in terms of behavior, right? There are obviously those physiological components. And then we have to talk about minerals, right? A lot of the times, one of your, I'm not going to mention her name here on the podcast for full confidentiality, but your partner in crime in this group, right? It wasn't, her bloat's not associated with overgrowth. It's associated with demineralization and high stress. And I think that's one thing that gets overlooked and undervalued in the context of physiological response. Yes, lacking in minerals, which are the building blocks to life, 
can, will, and do result in physical symptoms. And one of those symptoms is bloat, right? And insufficient digestion. And the longer we engage in that stress-based response, and she's in a position like many of your listening audience, maybe, right? Whether you're a shift worker in the hospital or you're a firefighter EMS or you're in law enforcement. I mean, there are multiple scenarios where you could be in in shift work, right? That poses a special type of stressor to the body too. But when we're in this chronic low-level stress response, we don't absorb our nutrition adequately. That's vitamins, that's minerals, that's sulfur-based amino acids, right? That's fatty acids. And thus, we're going to have a physiological reflection of that demineralization or of that lack of vitality, right? And we're going to see that result in insufficient response from what we're talking about today, the digestive tract, amongst other vital organ systems. So let's talk about stress, right? Mm -hmm. And possible, you know, cortisol being produced at different times, bad times. I know you've talked about the tired when wired, um, Mm -hmm. or wired when tired, rather, wired and tired. But how do you know if your stress levels are impacting your health in a negative way. I think it's also been normalized to be Mm -hmm. high functioning, high stress, high anxiety. Um, I definitely did not ever wear that as a badge of honor. However, I never knew how much it was impacting me internally. You know, it's interesting. Asking yourself a subset of simple questions, right? Like, can I fall asleep easily at night? Am I asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow or does it take me an hour, right? There's a happy balance in there. So looking at, you know, how long it takes you to fall asleep, 15 to 20 minutes is really acceptable, right? Too quick, your your adrenals are, are maladapted. Too slow, your adrenals are maladapted, right? Then we have to look at inflammatory responses. So bloat is one of those biofeedbacks that we use if we're stressed, right? Oftentimes we're not going to bloat and we're not going to we're not going to show up inflamed if our stress levels are managed well. Blood pressure is another thing, right? So low blood pressure or high blood pressure, heart rate, low heart rate or excessively high heart rate. What do I mean by low and high? Well, below 50 and above 70. I used to walk into the doctor's office and I would proudly wear the badge of honor of like, yeah, my heart rate's 43. And they would take it again and again and again. Like, how are you still sitting here? Your blood pressure's in the toilet. Your heart rate is in the trash can. And then the doctor would walk in and be like, oh, you're just athletic. When the reality of it was, I was really sick and I didn't know it, right? I had a lot of inner ecosystem dysfunction. So blood pressure, heart rate, blood sugar. You and I have done a lot of work, especially in this community around blood sugar. Are your blood sugar levels destabilized? Well, if your blood sugar levels are destabilized, the first place we want to look is what you're consuming, right? That's, the, that's a pretty obvious place to go. But once you've managed what's on your plate, you know, in a sense that it's going to work for you, you know what you need, then you really have to start looking at adrenal maladaptation because our body's not going to let us die. It will compensate until it can no longer compensate. And one of the ways it compensates is by creating hypo and hyper swings in response with blood sugar, right? And body temperature. Do you trend high or do you trend low? Typically, somebody who's maladapting is going to trend low. We're going to see lower body temperature because the higher the degree of internal output, the lower the the metabolic adaptation is because it's attempting to make sure that your body can compensate under strenuous circumstances. And when it comes to stress, we're really good, like you said, at compartmentalizing. Like, the house is on fire, but like dinner's still being cooked, you know, like we have all of these expectations self-imposed most of the time, but then 
external imposition comes into place as well too. We work really long hours. We're constantly connected to a device, right? We no longer connect with community the way that we would. We don't sit down and create, you know, community and connection over the plate. We don't even breathe before we jump into a meal, let alone thank it, right? And we're just like, on to the next. If we can't pause at any point in our day without a degree of anxiety, it's a pretty good sign we're stressed. If we can't have a, a regular bowel movement, it's a good sign we're stressed, right? If our menstrual cycles are irregular, it's a good sign we're stressed. Do we get routine and regular headaches and migraines? Oh, good sign we're stressed, you know? Same thing with muscle tension. Like, I could just keep going because stress hides in so many places that we've normalized because they're common. Something that started happening um, to me right before we started working together, a few months, I guess, back in maybe November, I Mm -hmm. woke up and could not turn my neck to one side. Mm. I have never in my life had a neck kink. And I was like, oh my God, this has to be stress of some sort trying to just get out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people so often think, and this, mind you guys, this was as I was, I had gained like 30 pounds in like a two month period, no change to my diet. I was like, what is going on? And I do not eat anything. I mean, we learn now. Yes, there were some things causing inflammation, but for the most part, I was eating what many of you would consider a very healthy mm-hmm. diet. And I went to my chiropractor and was getting a typical adjustment like we always do. And I was like, I'm telling you, this has to be stress. She goes, stress is going to find a way to leave your body, even yep. if you won't let it. Yep. So that was kind of my wake up call. You know, fortunately, I don't really have migraines and things of that nature. I never have. But would you say that's you've heard of that happening? You're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? Like those little catchphrases come from somewhere, right? Like carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. If you, if everybody listening to this podcast just did a body scan right now, right? Just like give yourself a minute to just sit there, take three deep breaths in, you know, exhale all the way out. Where do you feel tense? And how often do you ask yourself that question? right? Most of the time people are going to carry it in their traps, their upper thoracic, their cervical spine and their neck. They're going to see slumping of their chest. None of us are really expansive anymore because we're contracting to our life, right? We're not expanding and open to our life. We're contracting to our life, but it's so subconscious that we don't recognize posture is responding to what we're asking ourselves to do on a day-to-day basis, right? How about your hip and pelvic region? We sit for extended periods of time. Do any of you get up out of a chair, you know, once an hour for five, 10 minutes and just swirl your hips for the fun of it? Cause you know, we're all big kids too. And we don't know how to tap into that anymore. Like just creating movement and blood flow and fluidity, right? All you have to do is look at your body. How often do we smile or are we just the redwood on zoom? Like we just sit here all day. You know what I mean? Like It's simple things like that. Like the simple pleasures in life, are they really pleasures anymore? Do we allow them to be pleasures? How many people literally slow down and smell the freaking roses? You know, it's written all over the body most of the time. All you have to do is look at someone's posture, skin tone, brightness, whites of the eyes, right? Nails. There's all these places that you can look to identify whether or not your body is optimally functioning. So as people are listening to this and thinking, oh, that sounds like me. Oh, that sounds Mm -hmm. like me. Oh, that sounds like me. What now? Yeah. Where, what happens? I mean, like you said, it could be a multitude of things internally, whatever, Mm -hmm. but 
where do we go from here? I think that's a big question that a lot of my clients have been asking me or, or people that follow me. And maybe you get that in your DMs too. I'm sure you do. Should I hire you? Do I need to work with you? I don't know. And I even said that. I was like, do I need to? Is this? I don't know. <laughs> my biggest fear was getting tests back and nothing being wrong. <laughs> we checked that box. Like we, we were good there, right? Like we, we answered yeah. that. And in that for later. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, what, where do you go? You know, it's honestly, I would love if you're okay. Do an assessment of your life, right? It doesn't necessarily require somebody to hire a practitioner right away. I would much rather see somebody move into unapologetically and radically, honestly asking themselves, do I get eight to 10 hours of sleep every night? Do I put my phone down you know, half hour, an hour before bed. Do I like, like as the sun goes down, right? Do I put on blue blocking glasses with an amber color shade? Do I utilize sea salt lamps and candles? Sounds crazy. You might be shocked at what the body does when you start using that kind of light that it's used to being exposed to, right? It's designed to be exposed to that, right? Do I hydrate sufficiently, right? Like, do I wake up? Do I front load my water? What's the first thing I do when I wake up? Do I, do I reach for my phone? Right? If it's work, yep. If it's work, we need to reevaluate something. The way that you step into your morning sets the tone for your day. If the first thing that you do is log on to something, we need to assess and evaluate why. Why? Why can't you sit with yourself? Do you ever sit down and take a page in a journal and just write, brain dump, get it out of here and onto the page? right? So movement, nonlinear movement, that's been big for me in my life. You know, I had all of these tools, but I'm like, I feel like there's something more I need to learn. So I've engaged in embodiment practices, which is nonlinear movement, aka dancing for a minimum of 10 minutes every day because it resets the nervous system. You know, how often do I get out of my house and into fresh air? Do I take my shoes and socks off and let my feet touch the ground? There are all of these things that we can do. I, do I set aside some time to take a bath or, you know, just be, or do I always have to be distracted? Do I chew my food? Do I breathe into my meal? Do I thank my plate? Right? There are so many things that we can do without supplemental support or without hiring a practitioner or a coach. And that's not to diminish any of that because I will be the first one to say life gets a lot easier when you ask for help. But these are things that people can start checking into. Small, subtle pivots create a big shift when we commit to them on a day-to-day basis because they be- those habits become routines that our body craves, that our body responds well to. So it's not necessarily, you know, I have to run out and I have to supplement with this and I have to hire this co- coach, practitioner, or mentor. It's I, need, I really need to check in with myself first, right? Because it's my job to create independent advocates, You know, it's my job to teach you to be your own advocate. It's not my job to hold on to you for one year, two year, three years. That's not what I'm here for. Or to get you so synced into 25 to 50 different supplements that you can't function off of them. That's not my goal. So it's all as a practitioner, I should say. So all in all, it's tapping in to you. What do your habits look like? What do your thoughts and beliefs look like? What do your patterns look like? What do you engage in on a day-to-day basis? How's your friend circle? You know, what do your food choices look like? How's your hydration? It's very simple stuff. It's the, it's the foundational basics that so many people overlook and undervalue that make massive impact and allow you to obtain progress and then sustain progress in the long run. And because we are talking to primarily, at least, you know, my audience, people mm-hmm. that are 
working out a lot, training a lot, possibly competing. You know, I do think that not that bodybuilding is bad, but I do think people become addicted and cannot seem to take time off and stay in a low deficit or those who have been eating 1200 calories forever and ever and ever, and are just too afraid to eat more food. Like those are stressors in the body. I think we have to think that, you know, stressors are not just what you perceive guys. It is also, are you team no rest days? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's also adding to it. Are we always Your going body to is eventually going to blow up on you, right? It's going to happen. It may, it may take a while to get there. You may be able to do 21 shows in a row. Bless you if you do that, but eventually your body is going to blow up on you. Well, yeah. you really have to go like, is this a personal benchmark for me? Like, is this something I set out to do just to show myself that I had the discipline to do it? Or am I seeking validation through what I'm doing at this point, right? Is it the only way that I'm achieving personal satisfaction and validation? That's something that I had to ask myself while I was competing. And it got to the point where like, it wasn't fun anymore. Oh, and I was so wrecked physically that there was no point. And on the back end, I had years of recovery ahead of me because of it. And everybody is so different. Like you said, I, again, no shade on competing. I've talked to you Mm -mm. and I hope that I will maybe be able to compete again, right? It's not going to be this year or next year, but who knows? I would like to do that at some point again where my body can actually recover. But I think for me, you know, the final breaking point for knowing that something was really, really wrong, well, it started probably in 2018, but I mm-hmm. was having to get so aggressive in my diet. And obviously prep is low calorie. We know that. We understand mm-hmm. that. However, I was like, "There's why am I the person that has to eat a thousand calories? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it me? And it wasn't just like the last week. I mean, I'm talking for months and months. My fats were at like 40 grams, Think about 30 the stress grams. too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and then this last prep was so gruesome and then that's, I couldn't lose weight. And then I started rapidly gaining weight at something Mm -hmm. that was below my maintenance previously, like very Mm -hmm. far below my maintenance. Um, So I did want you to kind of talk about a few things that you found with me, because like I said, people keep asking me and I've explained it, but I think you can explain it a lot better. And I want to kind of talk about what we're working on and then a few of the possible, uh, causes for how it kind of snowballed into where I'm, I am today. Right. Well, first and foremost, right? Like the rapid waking, your body is going to, it has to get your attention in some way, shape or form, right? So like your body will do the whole like whisper, tap on the shoulder, speaking a little louder, then it's going to throw a brick in your face. Like, yo B, I've been trying to talk to you and lightly tap you on the shoulder, but clearly you're not picking up my cues. So anybody who's listening, who's not at the point, who's getting like a brick in the face, I highly recommend just tapping in and saying like, what are you trying to tell me, right? It's creating a relationship with your body as woo woo as that sounds, right? This is your only home for the entirety of your time here in this school that we call earth, right? And it's really important to make sure that you have a solid foundation relationship with your body because you have to communicate with it and you have to understand its communication. So with you in particular, we ran a mycotox profile. We assessed gut function based on Fungal overgrowth, which is different than mold and mycotoxicity, right? Mold and mycotoxicity and candida sit in the same species, which is fungi, but they're different, right? So we ran a mold and mycotox profile. We assessed candida overgrowth, bacterial overgrowth, clostridia overgrowth. We looked at energetic 
capacity at a cellular level, so Krebs cycle metabolites, ATP production. We looked at absorption of things like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, zinc, phosphorus. We did a full spread on the minerals. We looked at heavy metals. We also looked at B and C vitamins, right? So oftentimes what ends up happening is we we expose ourselves to a stressor. And what we have to understand is the vagus nerve that sits at the bottom of the skull and runs down to the tailbone is the gut-brain connection, right? It's the gut-brain access. And anytime that's lacking tone because we're not moving into a parasympathetic state, we're not engaging the vagus nerve, we're not doing rest days, we're not working on deep diaphragmatic breathing, we're not getting to know our trauma and working through it. I could unpack that for an hour or two, right? But when we do all of the things to avoid or sidestep the engagement of the parasympathetic nervous system, your body ends up having to compensate, right? So small little pull to the right in the chemistry project known as your body means a whole shift in the system. That might not seem significant to you, but it is very significant internally because there is this delicate balance and this intricate way with which your body is meant to operate functionally. So you get maladaptation of the adrenals. You get pressure on the thyroid, metabolic regulation. Then you start to see the ovaries fall under duress because the adrenals and the thyroid are under duress. We start to see tight junctions wear away. We've got this mucosal liner lining in the belly. Just think of it like a balloon, like, you know, and then we've got this mucosal lining that's supposed to protect those tight junctions. Well, that starts to wear away, which welcomes in inflammation and opens up tight junctions to permeability, right? We see a diminishment in hydrochloric acid, which allows you to digest, a diminishment in salivary amylase. Like how many people salivate before they sit down to eat? How many people even pay attention to that, right? Like if you're not salivating as you sit down to eat, there's something called the cephalic phase of digestion. That means that you're emotionally engaging in your food. If you're just sitting down and throwing a plate in front of you, you're missing a big step in the, you know, the digestive process. So how is the production of the salivary amylase? That diminishes under stress. Same thing with hydrochloric acid. Same thing with pancreatic enzymes and bile, right? Which means what we're consuming, supplements or food, because supplements should be food grade, right? Means that we're going to diminish our ability to absorb, which means the body starts to compensate a little bit more and a little bit more. And we talked about this. Your gut is really like a a really beautiful coral reef, right? Just think about a coral reef and all the colors and the diversity and the lushness of it when you go snorkeling. Well, a a coral reef under stress is going to go completely, you know, deserted. We're not going to see the lushness. That's what happens with your belly. When we start to experience high degrees of stress, that lushness, that diversification, that needed solution internally goes away. And our ability to function optimally goes right with it. So as we see the degradation of one organ system, we see the degradation of multiple others because nothing works in isolation in the body. And that, so like obviously the degradation of the inner ecosystem of the bowels allows for overgrowth of things that are opportunistic. So candida is opportunistic. It's a good guy, guys. Like we need candida for absorption and manufacturing of certain things. Same thing with E. coli, right? 
All of these things are talked about in the sense that they're not good. That's not true. We just need them to remain in balance. They're extremely opportunistic. Yeah, they're taking advantage of an opportunity. Do you blame them? Wouldn't you do the same thing? Like, cheers, we're going to grow our community. We're going to expand. We're going to proliferate. And it does that when the bowels become, you know, compromised. And that's when we really start to see symptoms, but symptoms don't start immediately. It takes seven to 10 years for your body to start reflecting physical symptoms, right? So that lack of integrity in the gut leads to demineralization and malabsorption, which leads to higher degrees of stress, which leads to the adrenals further maladapting and compensating. Same thing with the thyroid, same thing with the ovaries. Oh, and the brain eventually, you know, walks into this entire equation as well. So we can very quickly walk ourselves into a state of poor function and not even know it until we've got those physical symptoms screaming at us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to unpack. Obviously, people yeah. probably had no idea how – maybe you thought that there was a connection between the gut mm-hmm. and the brain. I always thought that and kind of knew that. However, I didn't know to the to level. To degree. Of, yeah, to the degree. So what uh, what happened to me? Meaning? What was a high <laughs> what degree? Did we find? What did we well, find? Well, we found fungal overgrowth. We found bacterial overgrowth. We found demineralization across the board. We found insufficient B vitamins, C vitamins. We found energetic maladaptation at a cellular level. So ATP not being produced sufficiently. We found mold and mycotoxicity. We found oxidative status, meaning metabolic capacity to be reflective of all of that. Heavy metals to a certain degree. So we found a little bit of everything. You know, and it's, it's funny because you and I have talked about this. You don't look sick. Most people who are, quote, sick, don't look sick. That's the most offensive thing I think I ever heard when I was sick. Well, you don't look like you're sick. I'm like, are you walking around in my meat suit every day? Like, there is something going on. I know there's something going on. You may not be able to see it, but trust me, if you could just spend 10 minutes in my body, you would feel it, right? So most of us don't, quote, look sick. It takes a long time for homeostasis to degrade because your body is so beautiful and so innately aware that it compensates and it compensates and it compensates until it doesn't anymore. And it breaks my heart when people get frustrated with their body because I'm like, if you understood how hard she was working for you, you would give her a hug instead of throwing criticisms at her. I mean, it's an emotional journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It is Mm -hmm. hard, especially the way that we respond because I mean, at least from the people that are in our community, there is, there's been like hair loss. There's been extreme weight gain. It's, it's very mm-hmm. rarely do you look better because of what, what's going on, right? Lack of bowel movements. I mean, yeah. that in and of itself, that is uncomfy. I have so been there, right? And it just takes this like steadfast commitment to knowing that as it gets worse at times, it is getting better. But your body, the way I like to rectify it in my mind, right, when I was going through this is your body has spent seven to 10 years, if not longer, in this state of dysfunction and dis-ease, right? Why would we expect anything different in the healing process? We're finally giving her room to speak. She's going to be seen and she's going to go, hey, I've been doing this for seven to 10 years quietly. Cheers. Welcome to my world. And our response and reaction to that is really important. 
right? Because if we, if we get frustrated, if we're constantly seeking to logicize it, we're going to get lost in the healing process because that's not what it's about. You know, there's nothing logical about an emotion. There's nothing logical about the way with which the body chooses to heal. And oftentimes it takes putting that ego aside and going like, okay, I'm just here for the ride and to support you. Yeah. And all of that has led to bloating. <laughs> yes. Well, choosing, choosing to go against all of that will, will cause bloat, right? Second brain. Literally. So. I mean, uh, and, and I say all of this and I wanted you to kind of just kind of, you know, run down what we found mm-hmm. because I think a lot of uh, my clients who I've worked with or people that I speak to in the DMs, they have a history of disordered eating, which is mm-hmm. really where I think my issue started. I was... 12 years old, 11 years old, keeping a food diary, eating 500 calories a day. I remember it. It's so sad. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember the weeks where I would have low sodium V8 for an entire week every month. And that was it. And I was Mm -hmm. 11. Like who planted that seed in my head? I don't know. But I I did those things. Auntie, grandma. No, none of that. Definitely not. Um, Friends. It was it was like the Seventeen magazine saying uh, that fifteen hundred calories was magical, and I said, well, "Yeah, whatever I can't you do, that. don't get your health advice from a freaking magazine." Please. No, but you know, and I was I I grew up in a single parent household. It was just me and yeah. Dad. I had no yep. siblings. Dad didn't know what was going on. I was yeah. like, you know, whatever. Um, and that's where it started, and then it slowly turned into clean eating and then, you know, binging on the seventh day or whatever, but that was normal to me, but it was still so low calorie. And, uh, that was, was that really a cry for help from your little girl though? Right. Oh, like for sure. Times, yeah. Like yeah. And a lot of people don't recognize their external, you know, relationship with food as being a cry for help, but it is this like, seeking this degree of control that they don't feel in other aspects of their life. So they have this thing in their life that they can control. Right. And it becomes this identity and it's, it's a, it's a heavy, it's a heavy weight to carry. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A lot of trauma um, when I was younger and I, that was the one thing I could control, you know, and looking back, it's very obvious going yeah. through it as a preteen. It was, obvi- it was obviously not, So, you know, those eight years of like very, very little food during the time my body was developing set the tone. Well, we're looking at, you know, 10 to 12 years later, here I am now, 15 Mm -hmm. years later, whatever. But I thought I healed that, right? Like I Mm -hmm. hired coaches, I reverse dieted, I did all of the work. Which is all incredible, Mm -hmm. right? Like you needed to do that, right? Right. But what most people don't understand because we're not taught is the things that we deal with at 25, 28, 32, 35, 55, right, started when we were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? And mom and dad do the best they can with what they have, but the amount of information they had then versus what we have now and the amount of access they had then versus what we have now is very different. So the younger you are in recognizing the need to course correct those thought patterns, beliefs, behaviors, right? As well as addressing underlying issues that you can't see. So they're intangible to you. They don't exist, right? We're very out of sight, out of mind. But the the earlier on that you can get to addressing those, the better for the long term. 
-hmm. And I'm thankful that I was able to work with really great coaches, right? But what happened then? Reverse dieted for a few years, felt good. Then I was, I found out I was good at powerlifting and I wanted to be more competitive. So I cut weight. And I knew even in my early 20s, I was like, man, I have to get really aggressive when I diet. It's kind of annoying, mm-hmm. but whatever. People are like, yeah, powerlifting so cool because you could eat more food. I'm like, who's that? Because yeah. I'm, I'm cutting like I'm prepping. And then, you know, reverse dieted. Then I did bodybuilding and it was the same macros as when I was powerlifting. I had to get super aggressive. And like I said, it's led to right now, but finding out that all of this started because of what I did so long ago, mm-hmm. you know? And resilience diminishes, right? Like resilience diminishes over the years. Like your body will remain resilient until it can't remain resilient anymore. And there definitely comes a time where the body's like, I have got to tap out in such a dramatic way because I need to get her attention. And the resilience is off the table at this point. So question for you, because I feel like you could talk forever on this too, but mm-hmm. Calories in, calories out. That's all it is. That's all it is, Taylor. Calories in, calories out, right? If that worked, the diet industry would be obsolete, right? It would just be this simple, like, we can all do this. We can all figure it out. We'll put the numbers together that are appropriate for us. We'll individualize it to our needs and like, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that, right? So macronutrients are important, but micros are important. But in order for macros and micros to be relevant, your internal ecosystem has to be receptive, right? And if your internal ecosystem is not receptive, macros and micros aren't going to mean anything, right? So if our digestion is insufficient, we're not going to calorically register. We're not going to register what we're consuming in terms of nutritive content. And then your body is going to flex its own muscles through symptoms, right? Like, hey, I I know you may have eaten what we needed, but I didn't register it. So I need more of, and then we see cravings and then we see cravings for things that don't really serve us. And then we see perpetuation of overgrowth and we see further maladaptation. Then we see further demineralization. It's really this rabbit hole that just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, the less we understand and the harder we push to create something in our current reality. And the good news is I'm on my way to fixing it. (laughs) You are. But that's the thing too. You're not broken. No one is. The pieces, you know, the pieces of the puzzle are just scattered and we get to go, okay, that fits here. Now, where does this one fit? And sometimes it takes a few tries or it takes a little bit longer. As you've heard in the group, sometimes I'm like, we have to give this 12, 14, 16, 18 months, right? If I look at my own personal journey, It was in the last four years that I really started to feel like a human again. It was in the last two years that I'm like, okay, I'm superhuman now. I I finally understand. But those needs are pivoting again. Just Just because I'm a practitioner doesn't mean I have it all figured out. My body is constantly schooling me. Just like your body is gonna constantly school you. Are you open to the schooling? Or are you like, no, nothing's wrong. I'm done. I don't want to learn anything else. Best of luck. That's like trying to row a boat without a paddle. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah. <sighs> it's a good discussion. It's it a is. good discussion. It and is. Just like, you know, I, I just love going on tangents with you because everything leads to another See, you guys, I told you we were going to try to stay <laughs> – <laughs> 
try to stay to, to task. And here we are I talking about really emotions. Well. I think we did really well. Yes. Well, it all, um, it all, it or it all correlates. Like you, it all has to be addressed, right? Whether it's mental and emotional trauma, you know, spiritual, psychosomatic or physical, it, it all has to be addressed. All of it in order for the pieces to fall into place. And if anyone has any questions, uh, where to find, where can we find you on Instagram? At tailored Wellbeing. Yes. And I do have, if someone's really struggling with bloat, I have a free five-day course. That's the easiest place to start, right? You just sign up. You get emails every day. The emails come with videos. It explains really simple behaviors that you can integrate and implement in order to start working your way back to things that could be foundationally um, appropriate and significant in the overall picture of your life in terms of resolving that bloat or at least diminishing it, right? Yep. And yeah. just looking at everything on your Instagram, I feel like I learn something new every day and I'm working with you, you know. <laughs> it's just The point it. is to pump out free content that people can apply. It does require some reading peeps, like wink, wink. You know, I do place a lot in the comments um, or the captions so that you can take away. But if we can't spend two minutes reading a caption in order to enhance the way we show up for ourselves and our body, we've got bigger issues at hand. So I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you as always. Thank you for having me back on. It was fun as it was last time. So. Oh, yes. Always a good time. I know. What, yes. What's next? We'll have to find something else now. <laughs> I mean, now that we've covered it, oh, there are so many things we could talk about. So. Too many things. Too yes. Many things. All right, Taylor. I will see you probably soon. All right. Sounds good. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Taylor Living Podcast. If you're looking for a community of badass go-getters to bounce ideas and answer questions, join my exclusive goal-getter community on Facebook. The link's waiting for you on Instagram. Until next time, bye y'all.